0: This is the Influence Leadership Podcast, Episode 40. Hi everyone, it's Brett Duncan here, and I'm actually not joined by Chris Fuller today. Uh, And that makes this a bit of a special episode because we want to revisit an episode we did uh, more than a year ago, Episode 9, which talks about the race... Uh, the acronym R.A.C.E. and the R.A.C.E. approach to your leadership journey. This is really a very popular episode, certainly captures a lot of what Chris teaches uh, as he presents with companies, and really captures the essence of the Iditarod leadership approach, which we spent all of our first, I think it was our first 12 or so episodes, really focused on kind of going through Chris's uh, signature book, and one of the key parts of that is the race approach to leadership. So we want to replay that today. Chris is extremely busy right now working with different clients, but we certainly wanted to continue to deliver great content to you. And We know we've added a lot of new listeners over the last few months. So you probably haven't listened to this. Definitely want to encourage you to go back and listen to episodes, but we also want to highlight this specific episode right now. It's the race approach to your leadership journey, R-A-C-E, Chris is going to break it down, what those letters mean right now and how you can apply it to your specific leadership journey. So, let's listen. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Influence Leadership Podcast with Chris Fuller, where our heart is to develop leaders like you and help you increase your individual influence and your leadership skill set. I'm Brett Duncan. I'm your host today. And as always, I'm joined by Chris Fuller. Hello, Chris. Hey, guys. It is, uh, we've really been rolling through, obviously, the Iditarod Leadership book that you've written, uh, Unleashing the Power of the Team. Uh, I think I've said enough about that and how much I enjoy the book on previous episodes, but it's a really good book and it's very practical. And so it makes sense for us to break it down the way that we are. And I think, I'm not sure yet, but I think the chapter we're going to talk about today is my favorite in the book. Okay. Uh, just, and it's on um, strategies and checkpoints. Yeah. Uh, strategy is a word I love um, and a concept, even more importantly, that right. I love. But the idea of checkpoints you know and how do you actually manage strategy sure and often those things uh, aren't linked together the way that they should be (laughs) and (laughs) that's that's often strategy
1: (laughs) and daily reality are not linked
0: yeah and and I'll confess I struggle with that personally I'm sure everyone does to a certain level but actually I I appreciate the idea of checkpoints Um, I respect them but having the discipline not only to set them ahead of time, but then when the time comes to stick with it and actually sure. say, okay, let me check on this, let me actually check the point of where we're at. Uh, I overlook it all the time. Anything worth achieving,
1: if you can't measure it, you can't achieve it. Yeah. And so that checkpoints, the checkpoints are the measurables in our business. and. How do we know that it's a progress marker? Yeah. And if you're if you're not focused on your progress markers and your metrics, then essentially anything that you achieve is by happenstance. Yeah. And I have in the past succeeded on accident and been miserable because there's no way to repeat it. Yeah. And so if we're going to succeed on purpose and be intentional, we have to understand what are we tracking? What should we be tracking? How do we track it, and when do we track it, and how accountability, all of those things, yeah. wrap into
0: this chapter. Yeah. You know, it's a funny story. Uh, uh, gosh, what was it? It was almost 15 years ago. I was working in a marketing department at a company, but it was a job, right? I was single. I was young. It was a place to make my almost, you know, barely above minimum wage <laughs> and do something during the day. <laughs> Pay for and, the one-bedroom flat. And you know, exactly. Give me a okay. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really, uh, for me personally, it was a way to pay for guitar gear, right? That's really all it was for. So, but I had a, we talked in the last episode about a mentor. I had someone who came on, new boss, very experienced, and he expressed what marketing was in a way I'd never heard it before. Okay. So I went out that night, bought a book. I didn't know what I was getting, but it was called The End of Marketing as We Know It. And it was written by Sergio Zimon, who was CMO at Coca-Cola for a long time. So all that to say, here's how it relates to, to what you were talking about. He, in, in the book, he talks about measurement. He said you've got to measure everything. In marketing, you need to measure everything. Of sure. Course. a lot of times marketers think, ah, oh, brand awareness, whatever, how do you measure that? You right. Know? Well, you try at the very least. you know. But he brings up a point of someone would come into his office and succeeded wildly, right? Over, shot over the goal. Yes. And his question to them would be, Why'd you miss plan and they would be like I didn't miss plan right and he said yeah you did you planned for this you actually did more than that right why you know so it comes back to what you just said on even when we succeed by accident yes we you know it's still an accident you right know, which doesn't duplicate right so, yeah it's great that you had it but can you do it again but well, just kind of we see that quite a bit in
1: in people that um, You're going to have two ends of the spectrum, right? Mm -hmm. Number one, I didn't hit my mark, and I have excuses. Right. And number two, I wildly exceeded my mark, which means I sandbagged. Yeah. Because what if you get into a place and you don't? So you know you what is it? Under promise and over deliver. Right. And so in that in that instance, that was somebody that was kind of over delivering. Um. And and the stretch goal from this leader standpoint was, let's make sure that we're making the right. Goals right now, from a leadership standpoint, and I know we're kind of rabbit trailing here. Yeah. A leadership standpoint the concern is if you misplanned this bad to the positive, then what else might you be neglecting in the future? Yeah, if you're I need to make sure that you are aware of the situation fully and the capabilities and capacities of the organization mm-hmm. instead of that, you just throw out a number and you know, organizations are uh, have been in the past horrible about just saying, okay, we're going to grow by 10%. Well, what does that even mean? Right. And, and is there even any level of intellect and, and analytics applied to that 10% growth within the market space within the, so anyway, that that's really in my mind where I'm seeing that CMO went to, it was the concern about if you're this
0: unaware about this, what else might you be missing? Yeah. Well, and and quick plug, too. If you want to know the full story behind when New Coke came out, I mean, this is the guy that was there when it happened. Go read that book. End of Marketing as we know it, Sergio Zaman. The guy's a legend. But let's move into what we were planning on talking about. We always do this. We always throw something at the beginning, and then we actually get to the agenda. Um, But when we talk about strategies and checkpoints, and you have an acronym. Yes. uh, That, one, is very simple. Uh, Two, it's very uh, related to the the book, and that is... Uh, the acronym is R.A.C.E. Yeah.
1: So within the strategic, again, um, I think last time we talked about goal setting. We mm-hmm. talked a little bit about people making resolutions and yeah. all of that. And so one of the things that I had mentioned then was we need to to be able to put smart goals in place, specific, measurable, action, realistic, time belt. And so within the the R.A.C.E. acronym, essentially what we're setting up is, are you... Are you setting up the checkpoints so the C in race is checkpoints Mm -hmm. but in order to check on these checkpoints these Mm -hmm. measurables these metrics to make sure we're making progress Mm -hmm. you can't just a act without the checkpoints or you may not be making progress towards the right Mm -hmm. uh, in game Mm -hmm. but before we act before we do And before we look for a checkpoint, we need to be ready. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the acronym for RACE is ready. Are we ready to run? Mm -hmm. A, action, performance within that run. C, checkpoints for progress. Mm -hmm. And then the E is, are we evolving? Are we continuously improving? Mm -hmm. And so the RACE acronym, Ready, Action, Checkpoints, and Evolution, is a great metric. We've seen some fantastic success within organizations implementing RACE not only from a performance management metric, uh, from a strategic capacity, uh, organizational effectiveness, ODOE, but also from a uh, change management. Mm -hmm. And so uh, there's a lot within the race. And uh, so yeah, I I, I, I have an affinity for this particular chapter because it is one of the most uh, deep consultative tools that we have to enhance your performance Uh, for for your team, for your organization, for you to reach your Burled arch in the book or whatever your strategic uh, vision, mission, initiatives are.
0: Yeah, well we talked a lot in the last episode about building your team and obviously that's a big part of the readiness factor, right? Are you ready, are you prepared for it? So the thing that just struck me though as you were talking is if you don't have those checkpoints in place, it's impossible to evolve. So again, if you don't know why you missed plan, (laughs) We just you, need to get
1: better, Brett. We just need to get better. Oh, okay. We
0: just need well, yeah, to get let better. let me push stop recording. We We're to, done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: We just need to get better. That's yeah. it. Yeah. And it's so elusive. Yeah. And and there's no, um, how, how are you ever going to do? It's kind of like the the annual performance review. hmm Okay. Meet standards. Stay with this audience. You know, this is a, a favorite topic of so many. You know, um, performed according to stand. I mean, it's just it's yeah. so to me um, troublesome. Mm-hmm. Um. I wanted to use the word ridiculous, but I backed up from it. Um, Good. I'm glad you didn't say that. <laughs> yeah. Now that I went ahead and said it anyway. Yeah, here we go. The, the perform according to or without the specificity, you don't know what to change. Mm-hmm. And so I'm a big fan of, let's tighten that up. Before we do an annual review, what about doing monthly checkups or what about doing quarterly checkpoints mm-hmm. within those teams so that you have a closer tighter performance metrics so you can improve performance so that a year from now mm-hmm. your performance review and your corresponding you know salary increase is not based on what you did 10 or 11 months ago, but I can help you achieve the dream
0: along the way. Mm-hmm. No, that's so good. So let's dig into uh, the way that you kind of portrayed this in in the book. You know, it was a, a good story. You had a character in, in the story that really brought this to life. Yeah. Uh, you know, tell us a little bit about Lizzie. <laughs> oh, wow.
1: Lizzie Hansacker. So uh, um, I wanted to, from an allegorical standpoint, I have met some Fantastic leaders and some not so fantastic leaders, and I can tell you the one thing that I've seen that was irrelevant to the fantastic and and uh, troublesome leaders was gender. Hmm. It didn't matter what your gender was; you're mm-hmm. either a good or a needing help leader. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, in this particular chapter, I decided to pay homage uh, to 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 pay some homage, if you will, to the, uh, the, the female leaders that I've encountered and the great contributions that they've given mm-hmm. and even some of the struggles uh, that they have gone through mm-hmm. that maybe some of the rest of us haven't gone through and some of the discrimination and anyway all of that comes into I wanted to make sure that the character that gave my deepest most intense strategic message within the entire book uh, was a female leader. Mm-hmm. Now paying homage to the to the mushers, the female mushers in the Iditarod, mm-hmm. the first female musher to win the race uh, way back in the, the uh, uh, 80's was Libby Riddles. Mm. And then following on Libby's win Susan Butcher. Now Susan was the first musher to ever three-peat the race so wow. if you're a part of that good old boys club, guess what? Yeah. The first musher to go back to back to back was a female musher uh in some of the most grueling conditions uh, on earth yeah and so and she won uh from from the domination of the females in the sport libby won and then four out of the next 5 years susan butcher won so uh, essentially 5 out of 6 years female mushers were dominating the sport yeah so that's how we got there and uh and, and Lizzie was actually the daughter of Nils, the person that taught me to mush, and his wife, uh, Deanna. And so uh, we created this, this, uh, this thankfulness to this beautiful little girl yeah. in uh, Nome. Gotcha. That, uh,
0: that's, uh, that's, so that's the character of Lizzie in the background behind the character. Got it. There you go. A little sneak peek behind <laughs> the, uh, the curtain there. So uh, um, you know, one of the things that she mentions, and I'm actually going to read uh, the quote here, uh, but in the in the book you have Lizzie comes in and talks to the team you know and, and just it, he, she's a special guest right yeah and she's she's teaching some lessons that she's learned uh, and one of the things that she says is our first strategy is to make sure we have a great team at my kennel we're constantly raising the next generation of great race dogs and I prefer to raise them from pups so along with their DNA they have, my DNA yeah there's a lot in that unpack there's a tremendous (laughs) amount in that last time we
1: ended our last conversation our last session talking about mentoring right right talking about growing that next level that succession planning all of that pipeline yeah every business model I could say it till the cows come home or the dogs reach no (laughs) is the model needs to be repeatable sustainable scalable well Earlier on in my consulting career, I ran into a multinational, a global organization that hit a wall because they wanted to impact the BRIC nations, Brazil, Russia, Mm -hmm. India, China. That's the expansion. And they didn't have leaders ready to run those operations. Mm -hmm. So they lost opportunity and... They had diminished financial returns because they attempted to expand before they had the leaders ready to expand. Mm-hmm. Everything rises and falls on that leadership component. And so if you don't have leaders in the pipeline, you'll never have tomorrow's results. And mm-hmm. so those are such passionate points for me yeah. that as I built this into um, the, the, the leader, you like to run your team in a, in a way similar to yourself, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying that we need to populate your team with little carbon copies of you, that's not what I'm saying. You can really get into trouble if you hire people like you. Mm-hmm. You have to build diversity into the team. But at the same point, with the varying skill levels that are complementary. Mm-hmm. Not not uh, duplicative, but complementary. You, you, we need some level of redundancy, but if the entire team's redundant, we're in trouble. So as you're building that in and you're growing those leaders, then if they get used to your operational rhythms, if they get used to your... Then it's almost like in sports, throwing the no-look pass. Yeah. That that we are so entwined. You know what I'm thinking. You know what I need. You know what I... And so as, within the organization, are you building them with your... Your genetic disposition, if you will, your DNA, Mm -hmm. as opposed to just simply trying to get a warm, live seat in that part of the kennel, right? Yeah. So this all built into, are we giving opportunity? I mean, there's so much in this. Mm -hmm. Number one, the best in your organization need opportunity in career tracking to stay. Mm Mm-hmm. If you don't have a clear trail for them to run, to invest their entire career here, Mm -hmm. why would they? Yeah. And some of the statistics are are pretty ugly about what it costs you to lose top performers. Hmm. So we need to be able to career track. We need to be able to take them from this, uh, this tremendous mound of opportunity, this we, we see some exciting things in you. Well, you've got to take that and go from I see in you to I put in you to we work in you mm-hmm. to you deliver ultimately. And so we're growing along the way based upon the nuances of our business and the strategic aspects of what we do and how we do. We can't just only become inbred. Mm. So there's a, there's a balance here. Um, at some point I heard, uh, a, a, uh, I think it was a podcast on Harvard, mm-hmm. and they said there was a real concern about everybody that was teaching at Harvard had grown up in Harvard. And so the wisdom of Harvard came from the inside of Harvard. And so at some point you really can, c- can become, you know, homegrown. Right. Homegrown is great. Inbred is not. Right. And so how do we continue to infuse energy and wisdom from the outside? Right. How do we continue to grow? but at the same point, how do we make sure that this team not only has the skill I need, but they have the heart? Now, this is a key piece, Britton, and, and I could stay on this one for quite a while. You train for skill. What Lizzie, what I put through Lizzie in the book is you develop the skills that are needed to be able to, to get that person to the next level, but you need them to have your heart. Now, how we say that in an organizational sense is, we need to have similar values. They need to, We need to be value-centric skill diverse. Mm-hmm. Now, it's really hard. If I value integrity and I want an integrous organization, can I train integrity?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I may be able to hold people accountable. Right. I'm not sure if you don't value integrity, if I can infuse value into your heart, mm-hmm. I can infuse skill into your hands and wisdom, maybe and knowledge into your head. I'm not sure that I can... Can do a heart transplant on you. Yeah. So we really want to make sure that somebody is value centric, value aligned to the organization, because then we know we're moving with one heart. Yeah. And it's really difficult to move with uh, that troublesome aspect and the the fracturing and the dysfunction that occurs if we are not value centrically aligned. Yeah.
0: No, that is great. You know, it makes me sit here thinking about. Um, well, first off, in this situation. You know we're talking about homegrown versus you know what if i bring people in from the outside and and obviously we're not saying hey you got to go homegrown over the other the real key is in either situation they've got to plug into a clear culture and a clear be value centric absolutely right? so whether you got me at Entry level, and I grew all the way up to CEO, or whether I come in at the executive level, still I got to be value centric, you know, as as far as is where that begins. And so I think it's a
1: key piece, you know, growing your kennel. Some of them may be pups chronologically, and some of them may be pups organizationally. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you you you're you know. 40 year old leader coming into an organization, you're an organizational pup to that organization. Right. You're not a, a personal pup, you're an organizational pup. So yeah. even when I, when I built that in, I am assuming that you know you're new, you're not new to leadership, you're new to this organization. Right. And you need to learn the nuances and the heart of the leader above you right. to make sure that you can serve that organization fully. And if you ever find yourself, side note, you know, yeah. public service announcement here. <laughs> if you ever find yourself in a place where you cannot agree With the leadership and how they're running an organization for the sake of integrity you don't need to wreck that organization and cause a lot of disruption you need to go find an organization different yeah so again your job is not to change your leader your job is to support
0: your leader yeah and so that again rabbit trail number four well it's a good though uh, because we talk a lot we think in terms of it's a team leader I need to have, we need to be value-centric so we attract these type of people, but flip that around, right? Yes. I, an individual, have these values or I excel in an organization that is centered on these values and is this type of environment. Therefore, I should seek that out and And I should recognize when it doesn't happen. And you're going to
1: thrive in that.
0: Right. Right?
1: If you you could, you know, one of the value-centric pieces for my organization is are we customer service-centric? Mm-hmm. And if I could have a little booklet I kicked out that's called Inspired Customer Service. So mm-hmm. within that, that, that piece, I want people with a heart to serve people. I want you sharp, razor sharp. Uh, I want you good, but I want you to have that heart of service. Mm-hmm. That's that value-centric piece. So again, the race, the strategy, the R within the race, are we ready? Mm-hmm. Are we building the right team? Do they have my heart? All of the aspects of running the race and the checkpoints and all that mm-hmm. is, is, is really kind of predicated or built upon this aspect of this readiness phase. Do we know what to do? Are we aligned? And are we synergized and ready for the action? Otherwise, the action is going to have some, some, some
0: trouble in it. There's going yeah. to be some dissonance or disharmony within them. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we said this was a deep, uh, a, a, a deep chapter and one that we loved, and it's certainly showed, proving to be that way. Let's talk specifically about checkpoints. Sure. Um, so, I know in uh, the auditor race, there are, what, 26 checkpoints? Am I getting that yeah, right? it d- depends on the year. Okay. So, uh,
1: they, run a, they run up to a certain point, and then they either go north or south okay. of this particular point. And so within the you know, if you're going to the, the south route, I think, is 22 checkpoints, and the north route,
0: maybe 26. So okay. Anyway, it. there's there's in the mid-20s of the checkpoints. Right. Got it. Got it. So I, I like that it's a specific look because in the book it talks about, hey, I got to make sure there's food there and supplies there, Yeah. which, again, me knowing nothing really about uh, how this race works, I was like, oh, yeah, you got to plan for that. But obviously, again, to your credit, a great tangible example of... What am I thinking in terms of with these checkpoints of what needs to happen? What do I need to have prepared? What am I planning ahead for, right? Absolutely. Yeah.
1: And, and so, I mean, imagine that. If somebody came to, to you and I, Brett, and said, uh, all right, guys, we're going to run 1,100 miles in the next 10 days. Ready? Go. Ooh. <laughs> mm, I'd, uh, you know, send me a postcard. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure. The, the big, hairy, audacious goal, the hag, the mm. burled ours, the, yeah. This this wild dream. Yeah. If it isn't componentized, it's too big. Yeah. So in order to make it palatable and, and we're able to, if you can't conceive it, you can't achieve it. Yeah. So how are they going to conceive 1,100 miles? Right. They're not. The red dog sled race is the equivalent of going from Chicago to Miami. Wow. 1,100 miles. Yeah. So there's no way to kind of put that in the mindset of a team that we're going to run 1,100 miles. But... If you train on a consistent basis where you're running 50 to 100 miles a day, then essentially they're used to that cadence, that rhythm. Mm -hmm. And so in the midst of the cadence and the rhythm and the expectation, then within that building that cadence, rhythm, expectation, you can say, guys, we're just going to do what we've been doing, Mm -hmm. but we're going to step it up a little bit. And we're going to do it for 10 days straight, and we'll reach our 1,100-mile goal. Yeah. So the checkpoint comes into these bite-sized pieces, if you will, of of attainable goals. And then from my standpoint, when we reach those checkpoints, this is a great way to infuse energy and and feelings of success back into the team. Yeah. Man, you guys did it. Great job. And if you're not giving the attaboys to your team, you just need to understand motivation wanes. Mm inspiration, motivation, leaks. Yeah. And if you're not encouraging your team, you're not putting courage in them. Oh, that's good. So the checkpoints are so key to a lot of things. Number one, it's the measurements, it's the metrics, it's the leading and lagging indicators. I mean, I can go into a whole, you know, MBA dissertation on metrics and KPIs and leading lagging indicators, all that stuff. Right. But I needed a way for teams that were tired of hearing about KPIs and leading Mm -hmm. indicators and Mm -hmm. lagging you know and all the measurements and metrics. People were sick of it. And and the moment you came in as a consultant and started talking about measurements, metrics, KPIs, performance review, all that stuff, you immediately got turned off. Yeah. So I needed a way to be able to talk about very valid business initiatives and what we needed as leaders in a new way. That people saw it as novel and saw it as fresh, and so then they embraced it, yeah. and that's why the, the the checkpoints and the race um, came about. Was again, we, we we the principles of business are the principles of business, yeah. and so. But how do we make sure that people get it, want it, and will start to pull those principles instead of? Yeah, I'm listening to Charlie Brown's teacher again talk about the same old wah wah, wah right. wah wah wah. Yeah.
0: And so that, this is the way for me to get there here. No, and I think it's really good. Now so talking about checkpoints, what are some simple practical ways that, that you share with companies on here's how not just setting the checkpoints up, but here's what you do. When the checkpoint arrives. Yeah. Uh, how do I make sure, one, that I review it, (laughs) and what do I do in response to whatever the situation is?
1: Well, the first point is, um, before we can ever get to a checkpoint, we have to be ready. And ready means, do we know what checkpoints we want to stop at and refuel? Yeah. And what checkpoints we're going to just check the box and blow through it. Right. So you're not going to stop 22, 26 times. Yeah there may be, you know, you're choosing 18 stops. Yeah. And there are some mandatory stops built in because the, 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 the organization as a whole wanted to build in strategic rests, whereas some people might try to push for over strategic sprints and maybe overdrive mm-hmm. the team. Mm-hmm. The strategic wisdom of the race is, you know what, the teams are going to need an eight hour break by this particular time. Right. The teams are going to need a 24 hour break Built into this part of the race, and another eight-hour break. So there's yeah. like two eight-hour breaks and a 24-hour break built into the. And if you're not resting your team, right. don't expect your team
0: to sprint. Yeah,
1: for the long haul.
0: Yeah, for 1,100 miles. No. Yeah.
1: And some people go, well, I'll just, I'll just trade them out. Well, that's what I love about the allegory. hmm You run with the dogs you started with. You run with the team that you have. Right. And if all you're looking for is a way to churn and burn, mm-hmm. then there ought to be some organization that keeps a watchdog out for yeah. uh, organizations that just burn up human capital and throw them by the wayside. Yeah. So I'm a big fan of strategic sprints and strategic rest and looking at the checkpoints. So the first piece is, what are the checkpoints? What are some interim checkpoints? And mm-hmm. what are some significant checkpoints? And in the midst of that, what are we gonna do? There should be checkpoints about refueling. So imagine this. You can't carry supplies for 1,100 miles on the sled or you're going to overburden the team. Mm -hmm. So the wisdom of the mushers is in the ready phase, you have to think two months in advance to be able to ship dry clothing supplies, fresh booties for the dog's heels, fresh clothes for you, and then food supplies to that next piece and then you're going to have to you're going to have to monitor that particular piece. Mm-hmm. So not only am I thinking which am I going to run through, which am I going to stop at, how am I going to gain rest, how am I going to recharge, refeed everybody, then I have to resource that so mm-hmm. I can make sure that I'm not caught up in Um, I think what Michael Hyatt calls the messy middle where you're far enough out where you don't think you can turn back and you're far enough out that you aren't sure whether you can finish or not. You've got to make sure that you can supply yourself all the way to the end of that particular race and infused energy and maybe it's learning mechanisms. Maybe it's how often do you develop the leadership of your team? How often are you a growing organization? And so there's lots of things along the way that you can do in these checkpoints. First piece is the strategic. Then we break it down and we've got to have the historical data with the new data to see if we're actually doing those performance improvements. And that gets into a lot deeper about leading indicators. What are some of the things that are... If we do the successful daily habits, the checkpoints will take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. So how do we break it down into the least common denominator for those? And so the leading indicators are you know, essentially... Uh, for instance, everybody that, that set a goal this year of weight loss. Yeah. Well, the, the the number on the scale is what we would call a lagging indicator. Right. It's the end report. Right. So the leading indicators would be maybe calories in, calories out on a daily basis. Yeah. And And what some of that is. So when we focus in on the metrics, we focus in on the key performance indicators that are the daily habits that, when added together, become a collective success. That's really what we're talking about from, yeah. uh, from that checkpoint, and I know we've covered a lot in there, so let me just take a breath and ask you <laughs> what, uh, well, what, what, what further around that, because we could, we could be here for weeks. On no, that.
0: and I think it's um, one of the things that came to mind, too, is I've certainly fallen victim or been guilty of either not having enough checkpoints, not having one early enough to where I get to a certain point, and it's like, oh, man. What we thought was going to work and get us to where we wanted to be actually isn't doing that. Right. You know, and I wish I had known that at an earlier checkpoint because yes. we could have course corrected. One, the corrections much less. Absolutely. And two, obviously, you know, the the effort I'm going to have to put into course correcting now is massive. You know, so. Yeah, one degree
1: off, is one degree off. Right. But when you run one degree off for six months, mm-hmm. you're 180 degrees from where you. Needed to be. I mean, mm-hmm. so that, that really, one degree is nothing. Yeah. One degree for an extended period of time. We've got to make sure that we have shorter checkpoints, tighter checkpoints, so that we can make sure that that. And for me, as a leader, that helps me. Yeah. Um, I really don't like holding everybody's hand on the accountability and watching all the details. Mm-hmm. I think that, that feels like I'm micromanaging. Right. It's not necessarily the team I want. Yep. So, what I prefer to do is have everybody put out their commitments. And then we go around the table on a checkpoint, weekly, monthly, quarterly basis, and have everybody report out their progress towards their markers. Mm -hmm. So they made the commitment, and then they report their progress. And to me, those are some great times for me as a leader, where I'm not having to hold everybody's hand. I want an equipped and engaged, empowered team, and they report out their commitment progress. And so that's just a practical thing for leaders in checkpoints that I I prefer to do.
0: Yeah. No, and I think that's great. And you're going to be hearing a lot more about the race acronym in in future episodes because, you know, even within the book, you continue to use that too. But, I mean, obviously, it's, it's such a simple and great way to just keep in mind uh, how to keep a strategy on track. Absolutely. You know, and how to prepare for it. So, you know, thank you for joining us today. Uh, Chris, obviously, thanks for joining us today. <laughs> um, this has been an invigorating episode, at least for me. And again, uh, to, to the, the real takeaway, I think, is analyze your checkpoints. One, do you have them in place? Yes. Um, do you know? That, are, are you assuming they're in place or do you know for a fact? Right. You know? right. Do you have time scheduled? Put them on the calendar or, yeah. or they don't exist. Right. And are you, you know, for me, I can I can go into it hoping for the best and trying to turn, you know, some information into, okay, we're on track. We're, maybe we're two degrees off, right. you know, but I just don't want to face it. So you the, don't, a couple of quick colloquialisms. You don't get what you
1: expect. You get what you inspect. Yeah. And then the other one is anything that is not, measurable cannot be improved if you want it improved
0: you have to be able to quantify it and make it measurable that's a good one to end on right there so thank you for joining us you could do us a favor Uh, it, it one of the best things you could do for us and for other people that you know need to hear these things get the same value that you're getting out of it and that is rate the podcast Uh, We would love a positive uh, review from you and some input there. Certainly motivates us to keep going, but it also makes sure that the podcast is showing up for others. Um, Also, if you want to learn more about Chris and Influence Leadership, just go to influenceleadership.com. All things uh, Influence Leadership are there, videos of Chris presenting for companies, uh, some great articles, some other resources. And, of course, if you're interested in bringing Chris into your organization, you can contact us there through the website. Chris, a final word before we close out? We're chasing some big, wonderful dreams.
1: And what I want leaders to take away is there are steps to achieving the dream. And we can get there. Don't toss the dream. Strategize the race with
0: race and reach no. Awesome. Thanks everyone for joining us on the Influence Leadership Podcast.